I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I am your host, Kurt Sandvig, and if you listened to last week's episode, I told you that I would be doing a second Ancient Mysterious Artifacts edition. And here it is. Just FYI, this is an independent episode, so you don't have to listen to part one to understand it. But I really hope you do go back and take a listen to that episode and all the episodes. And just like with part one, I'll be putting up images of each ancient artifact I talk about on this episode, and those can be found on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Both are Paranormal Almanac. So just to catch everybody up, the following are a list of strange, ancient, mysterious artifacts that have been found around the globe. Some have no explanations, and others, it turns out, there's a very simple scientific explanation. Let's start our list with artifacts that are at least 7,000 years old. The Ubaid Lizard People. At the archaeological site of Al-Ubaid, researchers have found numerous pre-Sumerian artifacts dating back at least 7,000 years. Among these items, strange-looking figurines have been discovered with a mixture of humanoid and lizard-like shapes. Just to give you a little history about it, the Ubaid period is a prehistoric period of Mesopotamia, the place where, according to many, modern civilization was kick-started with the Sumerians. The Ubaid culture had large village settlements with the construction of mud brick houses, all with elaborate design, and the appearance of the first temples of public architecture. Just to give you an idea of how much this culture started, the earliest evidence for sailing has been found in Kuwait from the Ubaid people. In fact, according to many researchers, it was during this period that a lot of advancements in society were made. Settlements became larger towns, Irrigation methods were advanced, tools were upgraded, and all of this in combination led to the construction of first monuments and monumental buildings. According to the Sumerian text, Ur was believed to be the first city. Located west of nearby Ur in southern Iraq, the site was first excavated in 1919, with follow-up excavations performed in 1923, 1924, and 1937. Several items were excavated that help researchers to understand this culture, and a few that have puzzled man ever since. Here's where it gets good. These puzzling items include humanoid figurines with lizard-like characteristics, both male and female figurines. The strangest of all the figurines is one of a female figurine that has a strange lizard-like face, holding a baby that also has lizard-like features with pointy faces and almond-shaped eyes. Archaeologists were stunned by these discoveries, and no explanation has been given as to why the Ubaid culture made these strange-looking figurines worshipping lizard-like creatures. Archaeologists state that given the poses in which these figurines were depicted, such as the female lizard figure holding a baby while breastfeeding, it was not a ritualistic object. Thus, the purpose of these figurines remains a mystery to this day. Lizard-like creatures have been present in many ancient cultures, from the Quetzalcoatl, the Kukulkan, who was Aztec and Mayan's deities represented in a form of a snake, to ancient petroglyphs located worldwide depicting strange-looking beings just like the lizard figures in the Ubaid culture. And many conspiracy theorists believe that there was, and possibly still is, a race of intelligent lizard people. Theories abound about lizard people in the center of the earth or shape-shifting lizard people that are actually secretly controlling the governments. 
These lizard people are called reptilians, and there are others who believe that the lizard people are aliens that control the greys and are evil. They're the evil aliens, the greys are the goods, or just the workers. According to British conspiracy theorist David Ick, tall, blood-drinking, shape-shifting reptilian humanoids from the Alpha Draconis star system, now hiding in underground bases, are the force behind a worldwide conspiracy against humanity. He contends that most of the world leaders are related to these reptilians, including former President George W. Bush and Queen Elizabeth II. Listen, I believe a lot of what some people consider crazy things, but shape-shifting lizard people who live in underground bases and have taken over the governments of the world is not one of these things I believe. I've watched the YouTube videos that supposedly show these shapeshifters, and I'm sorry, I'm just not convinced. So if you're a lizard person and you have a good story, please let me know. And if I like your story enough, I may let you shapeshift into me and tell it yourself. But as far as these figurines are concerned, I have to admit they do look like lizard people. And not only are they incredibly creepy and bizarre, but they're unexplained. Unexplained by me, unexplained by science, more importantly, and unexplained by just about everyone who looks at them. So this one goes in the I have no explanation field. Let's move on to a less lizardy, but still odd and unexplained artifact. This one is called the main penny. Now, the Maine Penny is the nickname given to a penny found in a seashell in Maine in 1957. And it is said to be evidence of voyages from the Europes to North America before Columbus's first voyage in 1492. Guy Melgren, a local resident and amateur archaeologist, said he found this coin on August 18, 1957 at the Goddard site. This was an extensive archaeological site at an old Native American settlement on Penobscot Bay in Brooklyn, Maine, and it was dated to 1180 to 1235, so well before Columbus. A 1978 article in Time magazine called the Discovery Site an ancient Indian rubbish heap near the coastal town of Blue Hill, and 30,000 items from the site were found and donated to the Maine State Museum. The coin was donated in 1974, and much of the circumstances of the finding of the coin were not well preserved in the records, but that wasn't uncommon with the majority of the 30,000 items found. The thing is, the coin was at first misidentified as a British penny from the 12th century. In 1978, experts from London considered that it might be of Norse origin. Today, the identity of the main penny is that it's an Olaf Kier silver coin, and it's no doubt about it. Science has confirmed this is what the coin is. Cole Bjorn... Scar of the University of Oslo determined the coin had been minted between 1065 and 1080 AD and widely circulated in the 12th and 13th centuries. By some accounts, the penny was found with a perforation, hinting that it was used as a pendant. This area of the coin is said to have since crumbled to dust from corrosion, so that's just a theory. Some say the penny's finding is evidence either that the Norsemen from Greenland traveled further south than Newfoundland or that the coin might have been traded locally. However, the penny was the only Norse artifact found at the site, which according to substantial evidence, was a hub in large native trade networks. For example, a single artifact generally identified as the Dorset Eskimo Buren was also recovered there, and may support the idea that both the Buren and the penny could plausibly have come to Maine through native trade channels from the Norse sources in Labrador and Newfoundland. The Maine State Museum website thinks that it was found at the site and is therefore evidence of Norse presence on the North American continent. 
Although the museum states, quote, the most likely explanation for the coin's presence is that it was obtained by natives somewhere else, perhaps in Newfoundland, where the only known New World Norse settlement has been found, and then eventually reached the Goddard site through native trade channels. So that should say it all. Whether the Native American got it in Newfoundland and traveled with it, or the Norsemen traded with them around Maine, it does show that there have been travelers to North America far before Columbus, and fairly regularly it seems. And this might explain some of the other sites that have been found, including the New England Stonehenge. But we'll get to the New England Stonehenge in another episode. Even though this coin is very odd and technically unexplained, it is a scientific fact that the coin is of Norse origin and that it was found in a Native American quote-unquote trash heap in Maine. While we're talking about pre-Columbian voyages, let's talk about the Takaksik Kalek Hawaka head. And just in case you don't believe that I really messed that up, here's how the computer tells me how to say that. So I said it better than that. Anyhow, this head is a terracotta head, probably originally part of a larger figurine, discovered in 1933 among pre-Columbian or just post-Columbian grave goods to Caxic Kailahakwa Zone in Toluca Valley, and that's the last time I'm saying that word, which is approximately 65 kilometers northwest of Mexico City. Because the head appears to be in a similar style to artifacts of Roman origin, some believe that it is evidence of pre-Columbian trans-oceanic contact between Rome and the Americas, a view strongly promoted by archaeologist Romeo H. Hirstov. However, several other explanations for his presence have also been put forward. The object was discovered by archaeologist Jose Garcia Peon during an excavation in 1933. It was a grave offering found under three intact floors of a pyramid structure. Along with the head were found a number of objects made of gold, copper, turquoise, rock crystal, jet, bone, shell, and pottery. The burial was dated to between 1476 and 1510. It has been proven to be Roman, and it is indeed ancient, but how it got there is the mystery. Some think it was planted as a joke by one of the other archaeologists, while others think that it was brought there during the Spaniard invasions and was placed at the archaeological site centuries after the rest of the items were found. And the best guess, in my opinion, not that this is my guess, but... I think it is the actual best guess, is that it was brought to Mexico City by a drifting shipwreck. The theory is that a Roman, Phoenician, or Berber ship drifted as a shipwreck. Archaeologists claim that the possibility of such an event has been made more likely by the discovery of evidences of travels from Romans, Phoenicians, and Berbers in the 6th or 5th century BC to the Canary Islands. David Grove, an archaeologist at the University of Illinois, pointed out that being washed ashore from a Roman shipwreck does not imply any contact, let alone Roman discovery of the New World. But because the men that initially found the head have passed away, we may never know how a Roman head figurine found its way under a Mexican pyramid. Now just let that sink in for a second. This is a Roman figurine found three intact floors below a Mexican pyramid. If by chance the Romans did make it to the Americas, that right is a groundbreaking discovery. Again, I kind of back science with this one that it was just a drifting shipwreck. 
But it's still interesting to think about the fact that these people found a drifting shipwreck, including Roman figurines and other Roman artifacts, and thought enough of these artifacts to put them in a grave offering underneath a pyramid. Unfortunately, though, we may never know unless we get to time travel back and see for ourselves. Now, the fun of doing this episode is not only to make you wonder about ancient artifacts, but to debunk some along the way. And that leads us to the Dorchester pot. Here's one that is fake. The Dorchester pot was a metal vase-like object that was recovered in two pieces after an explosion used to break up a rock at Meeting House Hill in Dorchester, Massachusetts in 1852. According to text reprinted from the Boston Transcript, which was a local newspaper, in the June 5, 1852 Scientific American, the two pieces were found loose among debris thrown out by the explosion. Now, apparently, it was inferred from the locations of the two pieces of this pot among the explosion debris that this pot had been blasted from solid rock about 10 feet below the surface of Meeting House Hill. The story has been used by conspiracy theorists to say that man has been around for millions of years longer than previously thought. Now, here's the problem with that. Mainstream commentators identified it as a Victorian-era candlestick or pipe holder. The bell-shaped vessel was described about being four and a half inches long, six and a half inches in diameter, and the body of the object was said to resemble zinc alloyed with silver in color. Its description said on one side there are six figures of a flower or a bouquet, beautifully inlaid with pure silver, and around the lower part of the vessel, a vine or wreath inlaid also with silver. Archaeologist Keith Fitzpatrick Matthew, whose website Bad Archaeology examines this type of fringe archaeology, and it states it's difficult to understand why anyone might have taken this report seriously. It is clearly a candlestick of obvious Victorian style. Why would anyone in 1852 believe that it was more than just a few years old? In fact, in 1964, Italian debunker Biagio Catalano argued that the vase was actually almost identical as both shape and decorations to an Indian pipe holder stored at the Prince of Wales Museum in Bombay. So this one is very clearly false. This item was not encased in solid rock 10 feet below the surface of Meeting House Hill in Massachusetts. It just wasn't. But for some reason, the Dorchester pot story continues to this day. There are websites devoted to it. This is proof of an ancient civilization that had modern materials. And it's ridiculous. There is nothing here that shows it was anything more than just than some Indian pipe holder or candlestick holder or something from that era that just happened to be around that explosion and broke in two. But again, it continues on to this day. So if anyone brings up the Dorchester pot to you, just say it's fake. It's not true. Here's another one that might not be true, but let's find out. This one's called the Guatemala Stone Head. Deep in the jungles of Guatemala, a stone head was found that wasn't like any other stone head ever discovered in the area, known as the Olmec heads. Those heads looked like native Guatemalans, while this new head that was discovered looked very much like an Anglo-Saxon features. Thin lips, a long nose, very Romanesque features. News of the discovery first emerged when Dr. Oscar Rafael Padilla Lara, a doctor of philosophy, lawyer, and a notary, received a photograph of the head in 1987, along with the description that the photograph was taken in the 1950s by the owner of the land where the head was found, and that it was located, quote, somewhere in the jungles of Guatemala. 
So let's pause right there. It was discovered sometime in the 50s, wasn't told about until 1987, and it doesn't say exactly where it was discovered. Not only this, but there is only one known photo of the head. But I don't want to jump too far ahead, so let's get back to the story. The supposed site was found when Dr. Padilla went there. He said that he was in despair when he reached the site and found that the entire site had been completely obliterated. Quote, it was destroyed by revolutionaries about 10 years ago. We had located the statue too late. It was used as target practice by anti-government rebels. They totally defigured it, sort of like the way the Sphinx in Egypt had its nose shot off by the Turks, only way worse, he said. The eyes, the nose, the mouth had been completely gone. Padilla was able to measure its height at between 4 and 6 meters with the head resting on its neck. Padilla did not return again to the site due to armed attacks between government forces and rebel forces in the area. Unfortunately, this is an all-too-common occurrence, as we saw even most recently with ISIS blowing up monuments and blowing up artifacts. So, unfortunately, it could be true. This head could be true. The photo certainly looks real enough, and the head definitely does not look like the rest of the Olmec heads around that area. But that's the whole story, as short as it is. It's one very cool-looking photo of a very odd-looking giant head statue next to a car from the 40s. Is it legit? Unfortunately, like so many of these stories, we may never know because it no longer exists. Now let's move on to the Feisto disc. The Feisto disc is a disc of fired clay from the Minoan Palace of Feisto on the island of Crete, and it's possibly dating back to the Middle or Late Minoan Bronze Age. The disc is about five and a half inches in diameter and covered on both sides with a spiral of stamped symbols. Its purpose and its meaning, and even its original geographic place of manufacture, is unknown. Unlike some of these objects, this piece still exists, and it's on display at the Archaeological Museum of Heraklion in Crete. The disc was discovered in 1908 by Italian archaeologist Luigi Pernier. In the, again, in the Minoan Palace site of Phaistos. And it features 241 tokens comprising 45 distinct signs, which were apparently made by pressing hieroglyphic seals into the disk of soft clay in a clockwise sequence spiraling towards the center of the disk. Now, the Phaisto disk has never been deciphered. Now, the Phaisto disk has never been deciphered. Many people can't even decide if it's symbols, an alphabet, or something called a logograph which is a written character that represents a word or phrase. That's very common in Chinese characters, Japanese characters, and even Egyptian hieroglyphs. So cryptographers can't even decide what the symbols even mean on this. And it's still being examined to this day. And hopefully in our lifetimes, this will be deciphered and we'll know what the Feisto disc was all about. From one mysterious stone to another, this one is called the Lake Winnipesaukee Mystery Stone. In 1872, the stone was reportedly found in Meredith, New Hampshire, while workers were digging a hole for a fence post. Seneca Ladd, a Meredith businessman who hired the worker, was given credit for the discovery. Upon Ladd's death, it passed to one of his daughters, and in 1927, she donated the stone to the New Hampshire Historical Society, where it's still on display to this day. So yet, here's another one where you can go and see this item yourself. But let's get back to the story. Again, this was in 1872, and a group of workers digging a fence post found this strange egg-shaped artifact. 
The stone was drilled through from end to end with two different sized tools. The egg-shaped rock is covered with symbols include what look like inverted arrows, a moon, some dots, a spiral, an ear of corn, a depressed circle with three figures with one looking like a deer's leg maybe. Um, there's, there's obviously a face on the front of it, a teepee, and star-like circles. Now again, there are holes bored in both ends of the stone with different sized bits. And this is important because the object looks incredibly old, but the holes are drilled so precisely that no one can figure out how it was made, who made it, when it was made, or what its purpose is. In fact, they can't even figure out the source of the stone itself. There's been some suggestion that the egg is Celtic or Inuit in origin. Now, many theories have been offered on the possible purposes of the drawings, and an American naturalist suggested that the relic commemorates a treaty between two tribes. And a different source has claimed that it's called a thunderstone. Now, a thunderstone is a worked stone object, often wedge-shaped like an axe blade that is alleged to have fallen from the sky. Tales of thunderstones are found in many cultures around the world, from Greece to China, and they're often associated with a thunder god. They're also known as thunder axes, storm stones, sky arrows, and a bunch of other names. But again, we don't know who made this, we don't know where the stone came from, and we don't know why it was found in New Hampshire. Despite it being on display and numerous archaeologists from around the world looking at the object, it is still unexplained to this day. Now this next one is going to be our final one for the episode. And it's called a Klerksdorp Sphere. Klerksdorp Sphere. Boy, that's hard to say. Since their first discovery in South African mines, conspiracy theorists think that they are proof of ancient aliens. What they are is they're tiny spheres with even grooves along their sides from about 3 billion years ago. Once again, this is another ancient artifact which a lot of conspiracy theorists seem to think prove that there was an ancient civilization billions of years ago. Much of the doubt about the origin of the spheres originated with an unverified story in which a man brought one of these spheres to NASA. Now, according to this tale, after NASA tested the stone, they told the man that the sphere could only have been made in zero gravity because its balance was too perfect to have been created naturally. Sad to say, that story is completely false. There is no documentation of where this story started. NASA has said that this story is not true, 100% false. And also, their close examination of the spheres have disproved any claim of a perfect balance, along with the claim that these spheres are harder than steel. They're not. These tiny, Pyrophyllite spheres range in size from half a centimeter to 10 centimeters with even grooves along the sides. And here's the very definite scientific explanation for them. They're created when minerals form in the spaces between sediment, much the way crystals can naturally form extremely precise shapes. It was the weathering of these specimen that left them as tiny balls with evenly spaced lines around them. So again, these spheres pop up all the time as proof of ancient civilizations. And you can go page after page after page on the internet where they don't mention this very simple, scientific, proven explanation, and they keep regurgitating that NASA story that never happened. They even claim that the beings that made these spheres, they made them for religious or military purposes, or even the fact that there's some ancient form of information technology that we can't yet decipher. They're not, 
They're naturally made. Again, science has explained them. Geologists who studied these objects have concluded that these objects are not manufactured, but the result of natural processes. So, if you hear anybody talking about the Klerksdorp spheres as proof of ancient civilizations, stop them. If you go to a website and it says, this is proof of ancient civilizations, just close that tab because whatever else they're about to tell you is crap. Well, that about does it for another episode of Ancient Mysterious Artifacts. I hope you enjoyed this one. I know that a lot of people have told me they really enjoyed the first one, so thank you so much for that. And who knows, maybe I'll have other show-and-tell-like editions of Paranormal Almanac. If you could, please go to iTunes and leave us a review, and make sure you click subscribe, and tell your friends about this podcast. I want to thank everybody that's reached out to me. Again, thank you so, so much. I now have two or three listener ghost stories that I'll be sharing soon. I wanted to get a bunch of them before I did an episode of listeners' ghost stories. I think I might have enough to actually do an episode. So once again, I'm Kurt Sandvig, and thank you again for listening to Paranormal Almanac.